This podcast was first broadcast on 92.6 FM Radio Verulam. Go to radioverulam.com to find more Environment Matters podcasts and, if you enjoy what we do, to find out how you can support the station, which is run entirely by volunteers. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to Environment Matters with me, Amanda Yorworth. Environment Matters is the show that brings you news on issues of sustainability and the environment from around St Albans and from further afield. Coming up later, brothers Oliver and Benji have spent lockdown campaigning to help animals. They tell us about their campaign, how Lego played an important part and where their campaigning is going from here. Being a woman and someone concerned about climate change, I was interested to hear about an event being run by St Albans branch of Soroptimus International. How can women lead on reducing carbon footprints? Talking at the event will be Soroptimist and carbon literacy educator Linda Schell. And I caught up with her to get a taste of the event, but I started by asking her, who exactly are the Soroptimists? The Soroptimists are a global volunteer movement of women. This year is its centenary. Globally, we have 72,000 members in 121 countries. And what its aim is, is to help women and girls by providing education, empowering and enabling opportunities so that they can achieve their potential, realise their aspirations and have an equal voice in communities worldwide. It's a consultative organisation to United Nations as well. So there's a St Albans-based group. What's that like? Is it well supported? Is it active? It's very active. We've got around 30 to 35 members. It meets twice a month. The first meeting every month is when we talk about the club's recent activities, news items, something called programme action updates, which I shall mention again and perhaps a short presentation about an issue that is exercising the mind of locals or optimists. The fourth Monday of every month is a speaker meeting, like the one that is being held on the 22nd of March. You've mentioned that optimists are about uh, uh, helping women, enabling women. Why do you feel that you need, therefore, to be taking action on environmental issues? Right. So internationally, the Soroptimists develop and decide programme action. The way that they try to help education enable and empower women is through what we call programme action. And there are hundreds and thousands of different ways to help women around the world, depending on their circumstances. Recently, what the Soroptimist organisation has done is looked at how we might be able to categorise those different uh, ways to help. And we came up with five categories. The five categories are economic empowerment, education, food security and healthcare, and violence and conflict resolution. And the fifth one is environmental sustainability. We picked up on environmental sustainability, perhaps in two main ways. One of them is because Soroptimists is a consultative body to the United Nations, it's conducting research, it's leading projects, and therefore learning more recently about the impact of climate change on the kinds of ways in which we can help women to achieve their potential, etc. The second 
way is uh, the second reason is because we've seen how some of the projects that we've been developing around the world, some of the ways that we've been trying to help women around the world have been thwarted by climate change. Climate change in their area has compromised the success of some of the projects that we've been trying to develop. And ironically, some of the climate change issues have become the reason for uh, introducing and developing new projects to help women and girls around the world. Okay, that's really interesting to hear. So you've got your event coming up, How Can Women Lead on Reducing Carbon Footprints, which you're going to be speaking at. Can you just give us a taste of some of the issues that you'll be covering? Before the event, we're asking people to calculate their own carbon footprint. We want to use the World Wildlife Fund calculator because it's simpler than some others. It categorises our domestic lives, our home lives, around four what I would call toe prints, food, travel, home and stuff. And the point of the evening is to divide the attendees into a number of breakout groups, each of which will look at their own responses to the questions in the World Wildlife Fund calculator around food, travel, home and stuff. First of all, to see if they think they can find ways and discuss ways to reduce carbon footprints around those things. But perhaps more importantly, to see how it is that women in particular affect the household carbon footprint around these four issues. So for instance, with food, Who is it in most families who decides what we're going to have for dinner tonight? And where are we going to buy that food? And is it going to be meat-based or plant-based? Or are we going to eat out? Or are we going, and where are we going to buy it? Is it going to be bought locally? Or are we going to buy seasonal, etc.? And I I think the answer will be quite categorically that in most households, it's the women that make those types of decisions for the whole household. Some of the other decisions that I think uh, we'll find out that women uh, make more of are what do people wear and where do they buy it from and how is it washed and looked after and what happens to the stuff that we buy for the house at the end of its life? Do we try to get it repaired or how far are women more interested and more active in recycling or upcycling clothing or household goods etc. So when you put it like that it it makes you realise that we're making decisions every day that affect our carbon footprint. Well it sounds like a very practical event there. I, I suppose one criticism might be that women at the moment where they're working where they're looking after the family we're um, home educating uh, um, for a lot of this year. Don't we have enough to do? Yes, but I don't think women realise they're doing this. They don't realise that what they're doing are making all the decisions or many decisions within the household that do affect the carbon footprint of the household overall. After all, very few households have starved throughout the pandemic. Uh, People have still needed to uh, look after their clothes, etc., and the things in the house. And what this session is trying to do is make women aware that they are very much engaged in making these decisions, but also to nudge, if you like, them to think about that awareness and how they might be able to make slightly different decisions that would suit the whole household that would reduce the overall carbon footprint. 
So a lot of people, and many of them women, do worry about what's happening to the planet. Do you think that this session might be empowering? You know, it's always better to do rather than to worry, isn't it? That's right. So when we look at, when the groups look at the different uh, responses, the different amounts of carbon emissions that they're creating as a result of the decisions they're making on a day-to-day basis, some will be making decisions that mean they are emitting more carbon dioxide into the atmosphere than others. And I'm hoping that the discussions between them will be, well, how are you doing that? How are you doing this differently? Um, How are you able to only have a carbon footprint of so many tonnes for food, but it's three times less than mine? And so in that way, they'll be educating each other about simple ways that they can change their lifestyle in order to reduce overall carbon footprints. And if all women do that in, in their different environments, it's the collective power of lots of little changes that would make a difference to the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Indeed, that that is quite a powerful thought, isn't it? So how about the men? Will they find anything for them at your event? Absolutely, because I don't think, my personal view, is that women do make all of these decisions in the household um, exclusively. Also, the men will realise, I hope, that they see how far women are impacting on the total carbon emissions footprint of the household in decisions that are being made almost subconsciously throughout the day. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's interesting as well. So your event is free, but you're inviting donations. What are you going to be doing with them? Right, the donations are specifically mentioned to be going to the Woodland Trust to help them to plant as many trees as possible. And this is because the centenary project within the Environmental Sustainability Programme Action is to plant more trees around the world. There's a call to action to plant as many trees as possible so that we can sequester, capture carbon dioxide that we've already got in the atmosphere So the decisions that we're making on a day-to-day basis might reduce the amount of carbon dioxide going into the atmosphere in the first place, and planting the trees might help us to capture what's already there. Well, it sounds like a a win-win from your event there. Linda, thank you very much indeed for telling us about that. I was talking there to Linda Schell from the St Albans branch of Seroptimus International. And How Can Women Lead on Reducing Carbon Footprints will take place on Monday, the 22nd of March at 7.30. And to find out more information and book your place, go to the St Albans Seroptimus website. If you search for Sigby St Albans, you'll find it on their events page. Or check out the notes that go with the podcast of this show on the podcast page of RadioVerulam.com. Now, most school kids over the last few months have had enough to do keeping up with online school and arguing with their siblings. But brothers Oliver and Benji decided to keep up their campaigning to improve the welfare of farm animals. Back at school now, Oliver and Benji found time to tell me what they've been up to and how we can help them. They started off by telling us a little bit about themselves. Hello, I'm Benji Furs and I'm 12 years old and I'm from Beaumont School and uh, my favourite thing to do is le- is play with Lego and my favourite animal is pigs. Uh, I'm Oliver Furs and I go to Fleetville Junior School. I quite like playing football and playing Lego and I sort of like all animals. 
So, Oliver, tell us about your campaign to help farm animals during lockdown. Which animals did you particularly want to help? Pigs and chickens, like for yeah, any factory farmed animals. Okay, so it, factory farmed animals in particular. So, what do you think's wrong with factory farming? All the animals in factory farming are really packed together, and they have to chop their tails and teeth off to stop them biting them off because they're so bored. They're really mean to the pigs and chickens because they never see any fresh air, never see the sun, apart from when they bring out to be killed. So, Oliver, tell us what you've been doing to try and do something about this then. We made some posters and stuck them in the windows, and uh, I wrote a letter to Daisy Cooper, and we made some Lego models of factory farms. Let's go over to Benji then and let's hear about these Lego models. We made one Lego model was a free-range animal farm and basically just what people think animal farms are like and how they should be like. And the other Lego model was a factory farm, which is reality, and were they really tightly packed together. Did you share the pictures of your Lego factory farms? It got in the newspaper. So lots of people hopefully did see it there then. Let's go back to Ollie. Do you think that people in England don't really care about animals? Do you think that that's the problem? I think lots of people do care about animals. They just don't know what's happening to all the factory farmed animals. And if they knew, they would probably care. And when you see lots of people, for instance, buying new puppies during lockdown, what what did you think then? I thought, like, if this if the thing was happening to like dog, uh, the dogs were being factory farmed. People would probably care more. Let's go back to Benji then. What would you like us to do? So the best thing that you that um you could do is well to stop eating meat altogether. But I know that's probably too much for some people because they're too used to meat. You can also try and eat free range meat. Or you can eat less meat. If we see meat in the shop and it doesn't say free range on it, do we assume that's come from a factory farm? Yeah, if it doesn't say free range, then it's definitely from a factory farm, yeah. Okay, so we have to make sure that we're looking out for those words. Yeah, it'll it'll probably never say that it's factory farmed. Right. Okay then, Benji, you've had a day at school today, you're back at school. Is your campaigning going to stop now or do you have more planned? Uh, Definitely not, no. So I'm I'm going to try and encourage meat-free Mondays at school and I'm basically just going to um, carry on campaigning as long as as long as factory farming continues. And if you're concerned about animal welfare then check out the St Albans branch of Compassionate in World Farming of which Oliver and Benji are members. Now some events coming up. Sustainable St Albans have an event on Tuesday the 23rd of March at 7.30 in the evening called Let's Talk About Eco-Anxiety. It's going to be facilitated by Caroline Hickman who's a lecturer at Bath University and she's a board member of the Climate Psychology Alliance. And it's going to be an opportunity to learn more about eco-anxiety from Caroline and her colleague Eloise. You'll also be able to ask some questions and hear about Caroline's approach to responding to our natural anxieties about the climate and nature crisis. Now, to find out more and to book your place, go to the Sustainable St. 
Albans website. St Albans Extinction Rebellion are also concerned about eco-well-being. There they invite you to an event entitled Earth Emotions and Regenerative Culture. It's on Tuesday 23rd of March at 7.30. It's on Zoom and will take the form of a workshop exploring the deep emotions triggered by our climate emergency, understanding self-care and burnout and a group listening circle. You can find out more about that on St Albans Extinction Rebellion website or their Facebook page. And there's nothing like getting outside and listening to birdsong to ease anxiety. And if, like me, you've often thought how great it would be to be able to know which birds are around just by listening to their song, then the Hearts of Middlesex Wildlife Trust have got an event to help us. On the 1st of April, between 6 and 7 in the evening, they've got an event. It's online and it's entitled Birdsong for Beginners. And they're going to invite us to learn to identify some of the birds singing in the dawn chorus. They're going to look at 10 of the most popular birds found in gardens and locally and listening to their song and find out more about how they identify them. You can book your place for that on the Hearts and Middlesex website. The event's free but you're invited to give a donation of £5. Uh, do stay in touch with the show or get in touch via Twitter at RV underscore Environment or the Environment Matters Facebook page. Do drop me a line on Amanda at RadioVerulam.com if you've got any comments about the show or ideas that you'd like me to cover. I'm going to be back at the same time next week. But until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>